Please turn to Hebrews, the fifth chapter this morning. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 as we study Christ, our great high priest. Hebrews 5, I'll read the first 10 verses of this chapter. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, and that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and fears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Paul's purpose in writing the book of Hebrews was to prove that Christianity is superior to Judaism. The center of Judaism was the priesthood, and the Jews were liable to say to these Hebrew Christians to whom Paul was writing, your new religion has no priesthood. One of the basic themes of the book of Hebrews is the priesthood of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews dogmatically declares that Jesus Christ is a priest. Turn to Hebrews 3.1 and we'll be looking at many verses in Hebrews today. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says, <clears throat> Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Next look at Hebrews 4.14, still dogmatically declaring that Christ is a priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. The whole book of Hebrews is an interpretation of the meaning of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So let's start out today by asking this question, what is a priest? A priest is a minister of religion who offers worship through the medium of a sacrifice. He has to have an altar, a sacrifice, and a ritual. 
The two main functions of a priest are sacrifice and intercession. That's the two main things that a priest does. There is a term uh, that has reference to priest and the priestly office, and that's the term sacerdotal. Now, that's a big word, but it's very important as we try to relate to Roman Catholics and others with the gospel. Sacerdotal. The two sacerdotal acts are sacrifice and intercession. Sacrifice is for the purpose of propitiating or appeasing God for uh, offenses committed. And intercession is drawing near to God on behalf of sinful men based upon the sacrifice offered. Now, why did God ordain the office of priest? It was because of sin. God's holy and just nature requires him to punish sin. Because of God's holiness, he cannot look on sin, according to Habakkuk 1.13. And because of his absolute justice, he will by no means clear the guilty according to Exodus 34.2. A priesthood supposes man's revolt against and fall from God. A priesthood supposes God's unalterable purpose to bring judgment on sin. The way God's holy hatred for sin and his infliction of punishment on sinners is revealed is by the offering of of the sacrifice. Sinful men need a sacrifice to restore them to the favor of their maker. A priesthood also supposes man's utter inability to appease God and regain his favor by anything he might do. Sinful men need a priest to make atonement for their offenses against God. Sinful men need a priest who can draw near to God for them, who can make intercession for them. Now, Paul's purpose in our text today is to prove Jesus Christ superior to Aaron as high priest. Now, in the study this morning, we're going to consider two major things having to do with Christ, our great high priest. First of all, we'll look at four qualifications for the Aaronic priesthood. Aaronic refers to Aaron, the priest in Israel, the high priest. So we'll look at four qualifications for the Aaronic priesthood. The man who would be a high priest in Israel had to meet four qualifications. And these are enumerated in verses 1 through 4 of our text. First of all, he must be a man who works for men in things of God. Let's read verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he, might, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So a priest who works with God for men must have the same nature 
as those whose, for whose welfare he acts. A second qualification for uh, the Aaronic priesthood or that's mentioned here is he must have sacrifices to offer for sin. The verse we just read says this. Again, verse 3 speaks of the sacrifices of this man when it speaks of his offerings for sin. Verse 3 in Hebrews 5, And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. A priest offers to God for men. And the distinguishing mark of a priest is that he offers sacrifices for sin. A priest without a sacrifice cannot atone for sins. Thus he cannot pacify God's wrath against sinners. A priest without a sacrifice is an empty-handed minister of religion. The sacrifices that God ordained to be made by the high priest of Israel were blood sacrifices in which the bodies of innocent animals were offered to God in the place of sinners. The life and blood of the sacrifices were accepted by God in the place of the sinner. Verse 3 recognizes that the Aaronic priests had sins of their own for which they had to offer sacrifice. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Before Aaron could offer for Israel, he had to offer for himself. Because one who came between a holy God and sinful men must have no sin resting on himself. A third qualification for a priest that's mentioned here, he must have compassion and sympathy on those for whom he works. Look at verse 2. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. The priest between God and men had to be one who could sympathize with sinners. The Jewish high priest was one who was capable of pitying and bearing with the ignorant and out of the way because he himself was compassed with infirmity or weaknesses. Now note the twofold description of the clients of the priests here. Number one, they are ignorant and number two, they are out of the way. In other words, the priest intervened with God on behalf of sinners and it was necessary that he not be harsh and judgmental with them. It was necessary instead that he have compassion on those sinners and that he sympathize with them. And the fourth qualification, he must have a special call from God. Look at verse 4. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Now, it is a great honor to approach the holy God and deal personally with him 
on behalf of others. And those who served as high priests in Israel were not to take this honor on themselves. The high priest had to be ordained or appointed to this position by God himself. He must not be self-chosen or self-appointed. The fact that Aaron was lawfully called of God to be the high priest is seen in the words in verse 4, as was Aaron. God specifically and publicly appointed Aaron and his sons in succession after him to be the high priest in Israel. On one occasion, Aaron's call to this position was questioned, and God vindicated his call in a very unusual way, as we read in number 17, when Aaron's rod budded and brought forth almonds. Budded and blossomed and brought forth almonds. You remember that story, I hope. No man could appoint himself to the high priesthood in Israel. And no man could approach God as high priest unless appointed by God. That which makes an office in religion lawful is the personal call of God to that office. Everything connected to the Lord's work must be regulated by God's appointment. All ministry is in the hands of Christ. You know, there's a lot of, evidently, a lot of uncalled preachers in the ministry today. I remember uh, when I was a college student, I was... Uh, sitting in the library with my brother, and he was reading a Time magazine. And he said, look at this. And in that Time magazine was a paid advertisement put out by, I believe it was the Presbyterian Church of the USA. And the headline was, Consider the Ministry. Now think about that. They were urging people to among all the vocations, consider being a preacher. Consider the ministry. According to the scriptures, all ministry is in the hands of Christ. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest, says the Lord Jesus in Matthew 9.38. Turn to Ephesians 4.11 here. Ephesians chapter and verse 11 deals with this same matter and he gave some and let me emphasize he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers notice it was the Lord that gave them Today we have many who have taken it upon themselves to take offices with no appointment from God. Women preachers and women deacons and uncalled men. What works or the popular fads of the day are unacceptable to God. Women preachers and women deacons are not appointed by God, thus they are not accepted by Him. Now, you know, that's not politically correct. 
That's not woke, but that's Bible. That's Bible. It's a very serious error for a person to insert himself or herself into the sacred office. Good King Uzziah inserted himself into the priest's office in 2 Chronicles 26, 16 to 21, and God struck him with leprosy to the day of his death. Korah and his company in Numbers 16, 32 to 35, inserted themselves into the, uh, an office that they were not called to, to have, and the earth opened up and swallowed them, and fire came out and consumed the 250 people that followed uh, Korah. Let everyone take heed. Unless God definitely calls, you should not enter into God's work. Well, the second thing at which we're going to look uh, in this passage this morning on Christ our great high priest is how the Lord Jesus meets these four qualifications. Verse 5 starts out, So also Christ. And this means that just as the Aaronic priest met the qualifications for the priesthood, so does Christ. In verses 5 through 10, the same qualifications and more, except for sin, are found in Christ, our great high priest. First of all, Jesus Christ has a special call from God, as we read in verses 5, 6, and 10. Look at verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made in high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now look at verse 10. Call of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So the Lord Jesus did not take this honor unto himself. He did not appoint himself to be the high priest. Turn to John 8, 54. John chapter 8 and verse 54. <clears throat> the Lord didn't take this honor to himself. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. So Jesus Christ was called by the Father to be an high priest. He was thus divinely appointed to this office. God made Christ the high priest. Paul quotes Psalm 2-7 as proof that Christ was called of God as priest when he says in verse 5, But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Christ's call consisted in his being publicly owned by God as his son. Further proof of Christ's call to the high priesthood is given in a quote from Psalm 110 and verse 4, which the Jews recognized as a messianic reference. Paul says in verse 6 of our text, if you'll notice, 
as he had as he saith also in another place, that is Psalm 110 verse 4, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So this is God the Father stating to Christ that he is a priest. The Lord Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. And Moses said nothing about Judah when he spoke of the priesthood. So do we have a problem here? It was the tribe of Levi from which the high priest came. But Christ was not from that tribe. Well, the obvious question the Jews might have asked of Paul's Hebrew Christian readers was, well, since Jesus Christ was not of the tribe of Levi, how could he qualify as a high priest? And the answer is that Jesus Christ is a priest not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. And to say that Christ our high priest was of the order of Melchizedek was to say that the Aaronic order had been divinely set aside and with it all the ordinances and ceremonies of the Mosaic law. Chapter 7, if you're interested in going deeper here, chapter 7 of Hebrews deals at length with the relationship of Christ the high priest to the priesthood of this man called Melchizedek. Under the law, the high priest could hold no other office. But Melchizedek, after whose order Christ was, was both a priest and a king. Hebrews 7.2 says that Melchizedek was king of righteousness and also king of peace. And the Lord Jesus is obviously the same. Both the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedekan priesthoods were typical of the priesthood of Christ. They were just the shadows while Christ is the reality. So Jesus Christ is our high priest by a special call from God. Secondly, we're talking about how Christ met, meets the qualifications of those priests. Jesus Christ was a man. Look at verses 7 and 8 of our text. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So, Jesus Christ, our high priest, is a man who has our nature. He lived on earth. He spent the days of his flesh living and working among men. Jesus Christ was fully God. It's true. But he was and is also fully man. These two natures of Christ are set forth at length in the first two chapters of Hebrews. Uh, let's look especially at Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 here. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Wherefore in all things... It behooved him 
to be made like unto his brethren. That's his humanity. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor or, or aid them that are tempted. Now this speaks of both our Lord's natures, his human and his divine. Deity cannot obey or suffer or die. In order to do these things and make atonement for sin, God the Son had to take a nature capable of these things. Had Christ not been a man, he would have had no sacrifice to offer, no soul, no body in which to suffer. If the Son of God had never become a man, he could never have served as priest and offered the necessary sacrifice for the sins of his people. It was the dignity of his person as the Son of God that gave value to what Christ did. But he performed these sacerdotal or priestly functions as a man. Jesus Christ is qualified to do the high priestly work of reconciling us to God because he is a man. Thirdly, Christ meets these qualifications in that he has compassion and sympathy on those for whom he does the work of priest. Look at verses 7 and 8 of Hebrews 5 here. Verses 7 and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was, made, that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Back in verse 2, we're told the kinds of persons with whom a priest is to be concerned when Paul describes them as the ignorant and them that are out of the way. Only those who are ignorant can come to our high priest in heaven the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're all ignorant of spiritual things, of course, but some people imagine that they know everything about this realm. Have you ever come across these people? They think they know all spiritual things. Well, these people don't need a high priest because they're not ignorant in their own eyes. Those whom Paul describes as out of the way here are those who have turned from the path laid out in God's word for them to travel. Romans 3.12 says that all men, because of the fall, have gone out of the way. They are all gone out of the way. They are, are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, our great high priest, has compassion and sympathy on these kinds of people. When Christ entered his office as high priest, he too was compassed with infirmity 
as verse 2 says, was required, though his was sinless infirmity. In the days of Christ's flesh, or his earthly life, he suffered the infirmities of hunger and thirst and weariness and hard work and sorrow and pain and death itself. His strong crying and tears came from the infirmity of our nature. He was fitted to have compassion and sympathy by being compassed or surrounded with infirmity. Christ, being a man, gave him compassion and sympathy for our miseries. And thus he is, as Hebrews 2.17 says, a merciful and faithful high priest. His experience of suffering and sorrow fitted him to be, as Hebrews 4.15 says he is, touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He communes with God as one who is God, and he deals with us sympathetically because he is a man with the same feelings that we have. Thank God we have a sympathizing high priest. He cares for us because, as, uh, because he understands us. You know, this is one of the great weaknesses of the Roman Catholic uh, doctrine. They say Christ is too busy for us to go to him with our problems, with our infirmities. And so you can go to his mother or you can go to some saint because they've got compassion and they'll go to God or they'll go to Christ eventually for you. Well, we don't need to go through those sinful mediators. We have a sympathizing high priest. Christ, our high priest, intercedes for his people. The Aaronic priest, high priest, was appointed to offer things to God, and Christ is seen here offering up to God. The term offer up in verse 2 is used 16 times in Hebrews, always having reference to a priestly act. Jesus Christ offers intercession. Prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. And right now, this very moment, our great high priest is seated at the Father's right hand in heaven, interceding with him on our behalf. As we saw in our last study, we call that his session. The greatest sample and example of Christ's intercessory work is seen in the 17th chapter of John especially verses 15 and 17. Let's turn to John 17, <clears throat> and I'll start out by reading verse 15. John chapter 17 and verse 15, first of all. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou, that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. He's praying for his people, interceding for them. Now verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Again, he's interceding for his people. Hebrews 7.25 says that our high priest ever liveth to make 
intercession for us. Think about it. He never stops making intercession for us. Therefore, we can never be lost. If we've truly been saved, he prays for us all the time, and we can never be lost. The fourth way that Christ meets these qualifications uh, of a priest is that Jesus Christ had a sacrifice to offer for sin. This is alluded to in verse 8, which says he suffered. It is necessary for priests in general and Christ in particular to have a sacrifice to offer to God. Look at Hebrews 8, 3. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man, Christ Jesus, have something also to offer. The sacrifice that Christ our high priest had to offer was himself. Look at Hebrews 9, 14. Chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In the case of our high priest, the priest and the sacrifice were the same. Jesus Christ is at the same time the high priest and the sacrifice and the altar of the true religion of salvation. There was nothing more nor greater than Christ could sacrifice than himself to save his sinning people. The blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament sacrifices could never take away sin. The blood was, their blood was only effective as faith looked through it and beyond it to the priest, the Lamb of Calvary. Turn to Hebrews 10, 4 and 5. Hebrews 10, verses 4 and 5. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. His body was the sacrifice. The high priestly work of Christ far surpasses that of the Aaronic priest. They offered animal sacrifices, blood, animal blood. Christ offered his own precious blood. Turn to Hebrews 9.12. Hebrews 9.12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The Aaronic priests offered many sacrifices over and over again. Christ, our high priest, offered his sacrifice once for all, according to Hebrews 10, 12. Look at, look at Hebrews 10, 12. 
I wish some of these Roman Catholics would read this book and the Lord would open their eyes to it. But this man, that's Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. What a vast wealth of meaning and blessing is contained in the sacrificial work of our high priest. Pity the poor liberal who can only see in the death of Christ a martyrdom for truth or an example of standing for truth and principle. They think that's all the meaning his death had. Pity the poor Catholic who believes that every time a mass is offered, the sacrifice of Christ is literally offered again and again. You know, right at this moment around the world, thousands of Catholic supposed sacrifices of Christ's body and blood are being offered again. So, Christ is our high priest. But he is not just our high priest. Hebrews 4.14 calls him our great high priest. This speaks of his excellence, his majesty, his preeminence, his dignity, his glory. Great speaks of the excellency of his sacrifice. It speaks of the perpetuity of his office. Roman Catholicism virtually destroys the majesty of Christ's priesthood and the sufficiency of his sacrifice by inserting human priests between God and sinful men. Listen, Christ's priesthood can never be transferred to another man. No man has the right to forgive sin. According to Hebrews 7.24, the priesthood is eternal to Christ. Look at Hebrews 7.24. <clears throat> but this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Roman Catholic priests have no divine ordination. They are intruding into the priest's office. Christ was once offered to put away sin. And that was the end of all priesthoods and all other sacrifices. All human priests are now usurpers of Christ's priesthood. They are now as useless as they are offensive to God. The Roman Catholic custom of calling its Pope Pontifex Maximus or literally the greatest high priest, is nothing short of blasphemy. The beneficiaries of the sacrifice of our great high priest are, as verse 9 of our text says, all them that obey him. This obedience speaks of human responsibility in salvation. This obedience does not refer to doing works of the law but to obeying the commands of the gospel. It refers to what Romans 16, 26 calls the obedience of faith. And this obedience does not just involve the initial act of faith. It takes in the whole life of faith. Not all men without exception are beneficiaries of the work of Christ, our great high priest. Only those 
we bow to Christ's lordship. And behind that, only the elect of God. A Christian is one who obeys Christ. Christ himself says in John 14, 23, If a man love me, he will keep my words. It is at our own peril that we reject Christ as our great high priest. We will be eternally lost if we do. Next time, the Lord willing, we'll consider Christ the truth in John 14, 6. I am the truth, he said. Let's stand together for our closing word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that we would love him more, appreciate him more, rely upon him more as we have gained a greater understanding of his priesthood through this passage of Scripture today. We pray that you'd bless the worship hour that follows. Bless Brother Lee with power from on high that he might preach the word to us. And we pray that sinners might be saved and that your people might be fed. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.